It's time to start promoting a cause. The terms opioid crisis and opioid addiction are commonly tossed around these days, but very few people really know what that means. Today I've got Cindy McIsaac, the Executive Director of Direction 180, here to explain a lot of what that's about here on Promoting a Cause. Thanks very much, Cindy, for doing this interview with me here on Promoting a Cause. I'll just ask you to get things started by talking about Direction 180 overall. Let people know what it is that you do. Yeah, sure. So, uh, first of all, thank you, Darrow, for asking me uh, to uh, chat this morning. So, Direction 180 is a a community-based opiate treatment program that came into existence back in uh, 2001 uh, in response to the the shift in the demographic, the, the demographic of people that were using opiates in Halifax. So we provide um, methadone or suboxone to folk that are dependent upon opiates to decrease the risks associated with uh, injection drug use or opiate dependency overall. Let's talk about the last 18 years and Direction 180. How have things changed? Oh dear, so they've changed. <laughs> They're continuously evolving and, um, you know, we've, we've had to, um, you know, grow and respond with the needs of the community. Um, you know, as a pilot that started for 30 people, um, we now have over, you know, uh, anywhere from 440 to 450 in our program on any given day. Um, we've had as many as 500 plus um, when we had the mobile to uh, establish programs uh, to support people and, and, you know, the barriers that they were experiencing related to accessing services for their health and well-being. So over the years, you know, we worked on housing initiatives with uh, Metro Nonprofit Housing to create Halifax Housing Help. Um, we've provided supports in different ways um, to people uh, exiting uh, the provincial and federal correctional facilities. Um, our physicians have provided Hep C treatment or, you know, sometimes over the years primary care. Or we've dispensed HIV medications and immunizations for hepatitis A and B and, um, you know, uh, treated uh, folk who have cellulitis or abscess wounds, so providing some of those acute uh, assessments and care on spot. Um, and we've, you know, uh, served as a, a knowledge, a source of knowledge for other programs in, in the province and across the region, and so shared um, what what we've done, you know, in terms of best practice. So now, um, currently, and and as well, you know, I think about uh, naloxone. We were integral to getting naloxone in Nova Scotia, and uh, one of the the first demonstration sites 
Let's talk a little bit about that um, and describe for people what exactly and why it was so important. So, yeah, so naloxone is the antidote uh, to reverse an opiate uh, overdose. It had been available in other provinces across the country and other countries and proven very effective. Um, it's not a silver bullet, but certainly is uh, helpful for people who use substances who historically have been afraid to call for assistance um, in an emergency event. And so more than anything, naloxone education is about prevention. So how do you prevent an overdose from even occurring? And also that messaging that just because you use drugs doesn't mean your life isn't important and you, you don't matter. So it also gives people that message that, you know, your life does matter. Many of the folk that, you know, we serve have witnessed or experienced an overdose at some point. And so when we rolled that out, it was very effective and, uh, you know, that messaging. And, you know, to date, since the provincial program has rolled out, there's been over 90 reversals in the province, and those are the, those that are, are reported. So anecdotally, we know that there's, you know, others. And how long has that rollout been in effect? Uh, since 2015. That's some pretty impressive statistics in a relatively yes. short window. Yes. And, um, you know, and so now, too, what we're seeing is, uh, you know, the need for an overdose prevention site. Over the, we've been hearing about it for the last five years, but from our members in the community, the people that use substances, and from the community organizations that intersect with people, the business, some of the business community in the north end of Halifax have identified challenges with people um, using substances in their uh, washrooms, you know, finding discarded uh, drug-using equipment um you know, in the community. And Mainline plays an integral role in, you know, uh, getting clean supplies out there and picking up the discarded, but there is a real need for a place for people to uh, safely consume their substances in a respectful way where they can access other health health services. It's, it's quite challenging, you know, to be in a treatment that you have to travel for every day. I, I need to say that, that the people that are in treatment are committed. There are a lot of barriers for them, so um, whatever we can do to mitigate those barriers, we'll have better outcomes. How do people avail of your services? Can they literally just walk in and say, I need help? Yes, they can. Referrals from physicians, Emerge, uh, other community organizations for people, self-referral. Um, methadone is a prescription, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, they drink it orally, and, you know, it's, it's a matter of reaching out, getting some brief information. Uh, sitting uh, in an appointment with the social worker, the intake coordinator, um, the nurse, and the physician, and getting that prescription, and then they would uh, slowly start on that prescription, and they would come here until they achieve stability, and then they could move along to a pharmacy in the community. How do you administer all your forms of support? Yeah, so we're staffed with uh, physicians. So we have 50 physician hours a week, and we have uh, part-time physicians that fill those 50 hours, and they see people a minimal of once a month. We have case managers, and they're people with uh, 
uh, lived experience and or related training and education, uh, a treatment navigator, which is a new position who's responsible for linking people to physicians in the community, so seeking to increase the capacity in primary care uh, for opiate treatment so that people um, can, you know, normalize their life and move to a, a physician in the community. We have uh, a front host manager and an operations co- coordinator. Nursing staff and nursing staff do the dispensing and the blood work and all that, uh, all those other healthcare pieces. And when you're talking about blood work and making sure that everyone is doing well and all that, blood work needs to be analyzed. It needs to be taken off site. So do you have a day that you do blood work? Um, we have loose appointments for sure. We have to allow for flexibility with our population. Um, and we will deliver blood daily. Speaking of uh, blood work, we're, we're in the middle of an HIV outbreak in this community, which is quite concerning. So we've been working uh, with uh, Dr. Lisa Barrett, infectious disease at the QE2, in uh, doing uh, testing blitz with point-of-care testing. We're hoping that, you know, that uh, through a research initiative that we'll be able to uh, ad- administer PrEP uh, for folks. So, you know, it is concerning. Um, and that's sort of a, another push for an overdose prevention site. You know, the risks of uh, transmission of HIV and Hep C from um, unsafe uh, uh, sharing. How do you define success for clients that you serve? Oh, goodness. They're alive. They, they've re- regained connection in, in their life. They are, you know, seeking employment or education or it might be just a long-standing health issue that they're getting treatment for. They have hope. We have um, uh, the Halifax area network of drug-using people, and so that's a group of former and current users who meet regularly to work on issues that impact their lives and to advocate for services. We recently received funding for that group uh, to start a project called PALS, Peers uh, assisting and lending support, and so they uh, meet people upon release from Burnside. And um, it's amazing to see the folk involved with that initiative and how their experience is vital. You know, helping other people and how connected they feel through those opportunities. You know, addiction is is when you know we become disconnected and. Uh, you know, initiatives like that where people can then become connected, recognized as helpful in their communities is so important. Addiction is something that's truly hard to appreciate unless you've lived it. I can luckily say I'm not a person who suffers from addiction, but I don't really claim to understand it either. How does your organization bridge that gap, though, when you have people who don't really know what it is to be addicted and you have those who live with it and have to try and cope with it. Yeah, so we do our best to try to educate communities. We have, you know, uh, mentorship opportunities for the medical community, for social work, community colleges. Our staff will provide education to raise awareness about, you know, the impact. Uh, The members themselves often get asked to speak at various events to raise awareness. If there are people out there, regardless of being an addict or not, who want to help Direction 180, how can they? Uh, so they can uh, 
uh, email us and uh, fill out a volunteer application. We'll uh, meet and meet with them and discuss what would be of interest to them and what would be of benefit to um, our program. Feel free to share any methods of contact. You can email Cindy M at direction180.ca and we also have a Facebook page. And if people are looking to drop in, you're located where? 2151 Gottingen Street. We've moved. Um, we were located across the street uh, next to the Friendship Center. We are a program of the Friendship Center. It's a new building. It's wheelchair accessible, clean, it's bright, it's spacious. So we're thrilled about our new space. How has the overall awareness of mental health helped in your cause? It, it has raised compassion um, about there's still that perception that people use substance, people do it to themselves. Um, they can just stop. I think we still have lots, uh, lots more work to do around stigma. So is it fair to say that the subject matter impacts how you're supported and... Absolutely. You know, it's, it's stigma and discrimination. Um, you know, can you imagine if uh, 11 Canadians were, were dying a day from um, diabetes, what the government would be doing to stop that? There's 11 Canadians dying every day from uh, opiate overdose. Yes, some measures have been put in place. There has been investments, but not nearly enough um, to mitigate um, the risk for people. How does Nova Scotia rank against the rest of the country when you look at the numbers of people that are involved in... We're high, given the, the population size and the number of fatal overdoses. Consistently, you know, in the 60s um, per year. Yes, investments have been made to expand harm reduction services and treatment. Um, however, not all not all services are available. So for me, it's about equity to access, and and uh, you know the services for people who use substances are not equ equitable. How do you change that? You you have to continue to push. You have to push the agenda. You have to continue to educate. What's the next step for Direction 180 to be able to accomplish what you feel needs to be done? You know, we're hoping that uh, our community will have an overdose prevention site. Um, it's needed. There's a lot of support for it. Um, we've had support from uh, the mayor has supported it, Halifax Regional Police. Uh, various community businesses are in support. Residents, our members, the people that use our services. It's just getting, uh, you know, the top decision maker to endorse that. Do you offer any support for families of people that are struggling with these addictions? You know, we're always happy to, you know, receive inquiries from family members and, and you know, provide them with information and education about the treatment that their their family member is embarking on or issues or concerns. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of supports for families in, in our community where they're, you know, peer-led or self-help. 
Um, I think more work needs to be done around that in supporting families. Earlier, you mentioned a bit of a shift in the demographic of people. I'd like to get into that a little bit more. So um, back then, um, you know, for the impetus for the program was that people were poly substance users. The only opiate treatment program at the time was in Dartmouth. It was very... uh, stringent, uh, so if you didn't make it over there about 8, 8.30 in the morning, you wouldn't get your dose. Um, so people were experiencing homelessness, concurrent mental health, poverty. So those issues um, became more prevalent and continue um, uh, so here in, in, in our communities. People are living in poverty. We're talking about generations of families with substance use histories. We're talking about, you know, uh, displacement, this community being gentrified and people uh, being forced to live in, in you know, um, other communities. So, And then, of course, you know, trauma and, and, and as a result of, you know, poor drug policies where people are, you know, incarcerated or petty offenses related to their, to their substance use. Is there anything that we haven't touched on? that you'd like an opportunity to talk about? Failing having compassion for people who use substances. Nobody wakes up, you know, as a young child, you know, that's where I want to be when I grow up. And, you know, failing having compassion, recognizing that um, harm reduction interventions and supports um, were born from the need of bad drug policies and... um, if people cannot get on the behind compassion, then look at the cost savings to our system. Um, look at your tax dollars. Where are your tax dollars going? And um, you know you'll you'll soon realize that it's more effective to provide people with safe supply, more effective to provide people with a safe place to use their substances. We 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 allow that for alcohol. You know, you can go in the bar down the street, and you can order a drink, and you know it's safe. You don't have to worry about it. We need to look at this example of cannabis legalization and uh, continue to build on that. Cindy, thank you very much for spending a bit of time with me here on Promoting a Cause. I wish you luck with the future endeavors, and please stay in touch, and we'll uh, speak again as uh, events unfold. Wonderful. Thank you, Daryl. That was Cindy McIsaac, the Executive Director of Direction 180. If you or someone you know need help with an opioid addiction, you can visit Direction 180 on Goddagen Street. You can give them a call at 902-420-0566, and you can find Direction 180 on Facebook. Thanks for being part of Promoting a Cause.